This is Primary First, a podcast focused on helping Catalyst Health Network members improve the way they work and the results they achieve. Today on Primary First, we're joined by Dr. Trevor Huber of Madera Clinic in Little Elm, Texas, and Dr. Eddie Furness of Nacogdoches Health Partners in Nacogdoches, Texas. Both are members of Catalyst Health Network, and both come from families where family medicine is also the family business. In this episode, we sit down with Dr. Huber and Dr. Furness to get their thoughts on the change required to deliver team-based care and why some physicians have struggled to make that transition. So I want to thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's nice to be on with you guys. All right, I want to start just let the folks that are listening get an idea of where you are, who you are, what you do, uh, what your practices are like. So why don't we start with you, Dr. Huber? So we uh, started our practice from scratch about four and a half years ago in Little Elm, um, so just west of Frisco, and started out with two doctors. Um, Catalyst was integral from the very beginning. We joined Catalyst before we even opened our doors to lean on those resources of having a large organization to support us as a small practice. So over the past four years, we've grown that practice and now we have two locations. And last year we saw about 18,000 patients between those two locations and have continued to lean on those resources that Catalyst has brought us and been able to serve those patients and love doing it, love doing it every day, love being a primary care doc. Obviously doing something right, you're growing fast. Congratulations to you on that. What about you, Dr. Furness? Yeah, well, I'm out in East Texas in Nacogdoches, uh, the smallest or the, the oldest town in Texas, and it's just a small town, about 35,000 people with a with a local university. Um, it's my hometown, born and raised here, um, and my dad was a longtime physician here in town. Um, I came back, and you would think I would have joined his practice, but what I did was I just hung a shingle beside him and just build up my, my practice very slowly um, over time. Made my mistakes in in uh, just fee-for-service and uh, the, the difficulties of running your own small practice and staying up all night doing, doing all the accounting and everything else. Um, but then about five years ago, really saw the light on uh, value-based care and where we're going um, in the country and what we what we have to go to uh, to continue to serve our, our communities. And in that in that 10 years um, have gone from pure fee for service to um, a, a hybrid um, trying to get everything to value-based care um, where we're paid for value and quality and has gone from just solo to having one partner to having, um, you know, uh, three nurse practitioners with us, so five clinicians total, um, a lot more employees, um, a, a, a quite a few um, more patients, and um, really enjoying the, the process of learning value-based care, managing a small business uh, and a practice, and, and really doing good for our community. When we look at value-based care, lots of talk about the team-based approach in value-based care, and I'd argue that primary care has always been a team sport. But I think there's a lot of physicians that seem to be reluctant to expand their team, to either delegate some responsibilities or pull together team members uh, to really deliver care. I'm curious uh, if you all experience the same thing in your communities. And, and if so, why do you think that is? What dynamics exist? Yeah, you know, growing up, I my dad was a family doc and they were in a small practice and it was just the two of them. And I think they assumed that a lot of the things that they were providing for their patients, such as referrals and prescription management, they assumed that these things were working. They assumed that 
there was nothing wrong with the system and that their patients were seeing the specialists just like they had told them to. And so I think there's this assumption of the system is not broken for these doctors and change is hard. And they don't want to change a system that they feel like is working for them. I think when you look at the the data and look at platforms um, like our care integration platform, leading reach for our referral management, I was running reports last night and realized what large gap we have with our GI consultations and patients that were not being scheduled at all. And when you see those data marks, you realize the system's not working. And you can't do it as a solo physician or even a small group. You have to bring in a larger team to be able to coordinate a a complex. Being a primary care doctor and taking care of a patient is very complex because you have to manage almost all of their health care, at the very least, making sure they're getting to the specialists they need to get to. And I think the data that we've learned from the platforms that Catalyst has, has informed us that we need to get better at what we're providing for these patients. And we need to have that feedback. Yeah, you bring up a really important point, And that is, as you start bringing more people on your team and you start having tools and technology to help support visibility into how care is actually playing out, regardless of your intent, it doesn't always play out that way. You start to see some increased value and um, need for the adoption of additional team members. So what about you out there in, in uh, Nacogdoches, where your family's been serving the community for a long time, Eddie? So I've, I feel like I've been a part of and seen a uh, the actual sea change in medicine in a microcosm here in East Texas. Um, you know, when I got to, when I got to Nacogdoches uh, 10 years ago, there were a, a, a roughly 98 physicians on staff at our, at our uh, main hospital. And um, there were only nine under the age of 40. Um, most of the rest were over 60. And they were all 100% solo practitioners. They all had their own practice. They all had their own staff. So coordination was simply just pick up your phone and call the specialist. Um, they all had each other's cell phones and there, it was not documented. It was just, Hey, I'm sending a patient over. Um, it was a very, an old school way to do things. And the, all the family docs, 100% of them were used to working in the ER, delivering the babies, taking care of the mom after their, after they did the C-section, um, then taking care of the baby. And then, then they had a, they had to do an appendectomy, um, <laughs> later, later in the day. And they saw, you know, 75 to hundred people in their office. Um, and they did it all by themselves with some nurses. They did not utilize nurse practitioners. They did not use care managers. They did not utilize um, pharmacists. Um, They really did handle everything on their own. And they did it quite well. And it's a reflection of our health system in that we're an acute care system as as opposed to a preventative care system. And I could see that in the community. And so it was a lot, it's been a lot of change even in the last five years as far as focusing on prevention learning about learning about high cost procedures and value and how we can do things to prevent hospitalizations and er visits um 
how we can use teams uh, and nurse practitioners. And also, instead of seeing 75 patients a day as a single provider, you're seeing you know, you're, you're limiting yourself to 20 patients a day, doing an even better job for those patients, but still running, you know, 75 to hundred people through your whole practice. But the, each of each of those patients is getting a little bit more attention. And so it's, I, I love the way it's going. And I think it's, it's good for our communities and it's good to, to help physicians make that transition because they're going to have to make that transition. So what do you think the holdout is for docs who don't want to walk that path of team-based care? Is is there a pride of ownership or a a challenge that just comes from changes in workflow, the the need to change just in general? Or like, like, do you get a sense from the colleagues that you talk to that there are some things that are keeping folks maybe just stuck in in the current process that they have in their office or resistant to that adoption? So from my standpoint is seeing the the older physicians who have done it all themselves are reluctant to let go of that control uh, because they feel like that's their job and they've done everything for so long, giving up that control or, or depending on someone else to do it. A lot of times they feel like it's not going to be done right. Some of it's a little pride in that, you know, my gosh, I'm a physician. I've been doing this for 40 years. I don't need someone telling me what I can do. I don't need someone to tell me how to treat my patients. And as we, as we have more birthdays, we, we get set in our ways and a little more grumpy about change. And I think that's just human nature. Um, but luckily, I think a lot of us have been, been uh, really embracing some of the changes we've seen and some of the really good things and try to mitigate some of the things we think might be an overreach um, in value-based care. Dr. Furness, I want to touch on something you said, because I battled this myself about that control issue. That's what I think really limits a lot of us from delegating things is we worry that if I delegate it to somebody else, it's not going to be done as well as I would have done it. And, and many times that may actually be true. One of my mentors taught me a long time ago that do not sacrifice the 10 great things you do for the 100 good things you do. Whenever others can do those 100 good things and you can do those 10 great things. And I think that's something we always should be reminding physicians that are hesitant to change that let's get back to what you're great at doing so that you're not sacrificing greatness for goodness by doing too many good things instead of those 10 great things. And that's all for this episode of Primary First. Join us next time as we continue the conversation with Dr. Huber and Dr. Furness and explore the newfound freedoms as well as the growing pains that come with being an early adopter of solutions that expand physician capacity. 